is a web series and podcast created by Temple of Geek. At the core of the project is the importance of telling the stories of women who have found inspiration, growth, and power through fandom. My name is Jenna Wren, and I'm the host of the Portrait of a Fangirl podcast. I'm here today with graphic novel author Gazelle Omar. How are you today, Gazelle? I'm doing great, Jenna. How are you? I'm doing great myself. Thank you for joining us and telling us your story. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Can you please just introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, uh, I am based in the Bay Area, San Francisco, and I've been writing for quite some time, um, but I published my first graphic novel back in 2020, 357 Magnum Opus, and this year I released my second graphic novel called Pimp Killer. It's a first in a three-part series, and I'm looking forward to having uh, my latest book out at the end of the year. That's amazing. We look forward, I definitely look forward to reading it. I've checked out some of your stuff that you sent me and it is definitely going to grab a lot of attention. Oh, wonderful. Thank you, Jenna. We always start our podcast by asking all of our guests, what do you think when you hear the term fangirl? Well, it's interesting because when I usually hear the word fangirl, I think of like a young girl or a young woman who's really into a certain TV show or a book or just something that they're really into and they follow, they watch the shows, they are part of a community. So that's usually what I think of when I hear um, fangirl. Has your opinion of what a fangirl is changed over time with age? Not really. Not really. I think it's, um, I have some friends who are fangirls. They're really into some TV shows. They're like hardcore into certain TV shows and um, they still are. Um, they will probably just be more into the, the movies change, the TV shows change, but um, they're still the same people. Um, so no, no my, I don't think my definition of a fangirl has changed. Is there anything in particular that you fangirl over? So, so it's interesting. I'm not sure if a f- fangirl will be the right word, but actually growing up, I was actually a big fan of the Kennedys and you know, reading about royalty and monarchies. Uh, I was a big fan of reading about Camelot and the whole Kennedy clan uh, growing up. So I pretty much knew everything. I knew all about the U.S. presidents. Um, it's, it's a bit odd, but I was really a, a big fan of the whole family. And I knew who the kids were, the you know, who the cousins were and all the controversies and the tragedies and uh, the Kennedy presidency. So that's what I kind of fangirled over. Um, I loved watching TV shows and reading books, but um, I would probably say that was the thing I was really most uh, passionate about. I think that's awesome because actually I'm uh, a historian by education. <laughs> I went to school for hist- American history, so I totally can relate to that, to deep diving into these families that kind of built history. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It's always really interesting understanding um, all the personalities and the behind the scenes that goes into it. Can you tell us a little bit about the graphic novels you've created? Yeah, so uh, 357 Magnum Opus was originally written as a screenplay, and I thought the comic book format would work really well for it. It's about uh, two bounty hunters who have been tasked to get a felon in L.A. They're from Vegas. They run into a lot of trouble doing so. They get the wrong guy. So it's dealing with the consequences of angering their boss and now angering um, this whole new gang of, of folks and criminals in LA who are angry that they've taken the wrong guy. So it's really action oriented. If you like car chases, if you like fight scenes, I always tell people it's kind of like Pulp Fiction meets Fast and Furious. So the book itself is about 160 pages. 
And this year, actually, we are releasing the color version. Uh, the first uh, print was a limited hardcover for 500 print that I did at the shows. And this year, looking forward to bringing more punch to the to the pages by making it color. So that was a that was a fun ride. Um, I'm right now working on a prequel to the story. Uh, when I'm at the shows, people always ask, "Oh, well, what about this character? What's going to happen after?" I'm like, "I'm working on it." So a prequel first, then a sequel will follow it. And then my second book is called uh, Pimp Killer. And I actually got the inspiration when I was in Vegas for Unicon back in 2021. And I asked my uh, my Uber driver, uh, Wendy, I'm like, do you have any crazy stories? And she goes, yeah, this is Vegas. And so she was telling me all these interesting stories and it just inspired this character who decides I'm going to take this situation with what's happening to all these sex workers into my own hands because no one's helping them. And it's based off a character named L.A. Jones. And she's tracking a pimp named Lucky Strikes. And she's followed him from Reno to the Bay Area to L.A. So she's going to put an end to him. So it's that journey of finding him and giving her own brand of justice. So that's going to be a first in a three-part series. And then next story will take place in another city and so on. So I really, really liked writing that character and her story. So those are the two that I have out right now. And then my third one will be out at the end of the year. It's called Pagan Valley. And it's just a wild night in L.A. with these young women who just keep getting into more and more trouble. So that was a a fun ride as well. I'm very interested in how you said that you're – Uber driver inspired this character. That is, is that something that normally you draw inspiration from the people around you? Or was that just kind of like a circumstance? I always listen for stories and keywords and something for inspiration. I'm not one of those natural prolific writers uh, necessarily that's constantly writing. So I always, if there's something that's really interesting and just keeps bugging at me, uh, I'll write it. So I was very lucky to be in that Uber that day. I did miss my dinner reservation, but that's fine. Totally worth it because I've, I've asked many drivers, hey, anything cool going on? Um, I'm always reading and researching, but just her stories were, the way she told them were pretty fascinating. So that really did inspire me to come up with this character. You sound like you're basically very much a natural conversationalist, so that must lend very well to grabbing your inspiration for these characters and these stories. Yeah, you know, I I always feel people have interesting stories to tell, and everybody you meet. I'm not that annoying person who is pestering the driver, but when I can and they're willing to talk, um, I'm I'm always open to listen. So um, I will have cousins call me, and they'll be like, "Hey, I have an idea for a comic or a movie. Let me tell you about it." And I listen, and I go, "Okay, what about this? What about that?" So I I guess in that way, you know, people love to come and tell me their stories because everyone wants to write a movie, but you know, they have to put in the work in as well. I completely can relate to that because as a writer myself, I sometimes am not the one to always come up with that initial idea, but if somebody can give it to me, I can run with it. So that kind of resonates with me. Sometimes it's hard to come up with ideas. So a little inspiration, a little help goes a a long way. Now, you mentioned that you originally wrote your graphic novel as a screenplay. Did you have experience as a screenplay writer or was your initial vision that this would be a movie or a TV series? Yeah. So 357 Magnum Opus was written as a movie and I had taken screenwriting 
courses in college and I would write, read screenplays and such. And I would write screenplays. So that was the format I followed. But back around 2013, I moved back to the U.S. Um, I lived abroad in Afghanistan for a few years. Uh, I thought, you know what, the comic book format would actually work really well because of the catchy dialogue, of the action scenes and the fight scenes. I thought it would do really well. So that's when I said, hey, let's make this into a comic book instead. Did you have any experience in writing comic books or was this all new to you? Uh, I didn't actually have any experience. I worked with an editor and it took me a while to find the right artist. Um, a lot of artists would say, yeah, I can do this. I'm like, are you sure? It's a, it's a 102 page screenplay. So it's going to be a big comic book. And normally around page 40, 45 drawing it, they would say oh, it's too much. So I had many different versions of this book and I was very lucky that back in around 2017, 2018, I met Ming Chen through a friend and he said, yeah, I can do it. And Ming Chen does a lot of art for video games. That's what he's well known for. So he took him about, about a year, a year and a half to get this done while he was working on video games. So worked with an editor to help him panel and get the story told in the right way. As a writer, are you very protective over your characters and how they're designed? I'm actually not very protective over the design of my characters. In fact, um, I'll give ideas of, oh, you know, these are some of the actors I imagine, but I will always say, if you want to draw them in a certain way, that's up to you. I know for for Magnum, there was an Italian actress that Ming Chen thought would, would be a good fit. And if you look through the different variations of each art, artist who's worked on it, they all look very different and I've saved them all. So I'll give an idea of like, this is what I envision. But at the end of the day, um, I don't like to restrict artists at all. You mentioned that you had taken some classes in screenplay writing. Obviously, you write comics now. How did you get started in writing in the first place? I was always passionate about writing. In fact, uh, when I was younger, I would write funny stories with my classmates and putting them in like little stories. So I would do that back in elementary. That was it. That was why I wanted to always be a writer, a screenwriter, write movies, and want to pursue that in college. I didn't get into the master's program of my choice at the time, so I didn't go into it further than I would have liked to. But I always loved uh, storytelling, uh, just hearing stories, telling stories, and whatever format was always of interest to me. Did you ever envision yourself being a comic writer, or it's something that just kind of happened? I never actually envisioned myself as a comic book writer. I didn't grow up reading comics. I was familiar with them, but I would say my exposure to them came around 2012, 2011. I picked up a few comic books when I was in Afghanistan, and that's when I got encouraged to make 357 Magnum Opus into a comic book. When you were in Afghanistan, you mentioned you were abroad for a while. What sort of comics did you pick up? I picked up the Sin City series by Frank Miller. So that's what I started reading. I typically like to write stories with characters that are very strong females who don't take orders from men who are going to take action themselves. So those are the types of characters I like to write. It's reflected in all my stories. So I felt this is a great format and genre to do that. So you love to write these, these strong women. Is it something that you wish that you had seen when you were younger? Growing up, I had I didn't have much exposure to comic books, but I did have exposure to movies. So there were strong females I would see in the movies, like you know Gina Davis, Sigourney Weaver, Angelina Jolie, just to name a few. Linda Hamilton, um, as Sarah Connor in Terminator. So I would see it in the movies, and I thought, why not in a comic book? 
you know, Wonder Woman was created back in the 40s. So I think moving forward, I'd like to see more of it. I do see of it here and there, but I want to tell it from the voice of a woman. It's usually written by a man. As a woman, I'd like to also share my experience and, and my voice and creating a character that is a woman who takes charge and fights and does all the fun stuff that boys usually get to do. Can you actually speak a little bit about your experience as a first Afghan-American comic writer? Yeah, my experience as the first Afghan-American comic writer has been really interesting. Uh, when I go to the shows, people usually, usually will ask me, uh, they'll be like, tell me about yourself. And I'll tell them, and they're like really interested, one, because usually they haven't met many Afghans. And then secondly, I'm an Afghan woman writer. So that kind of boggles their mind. Uh, but it's been a really great experience. It's a really open community uh, of creators and fans. Uh, that's why I really like the comic book industry a lot because people, you know, they don't judge you by those things. It's a very open, like I mentioned, community where they want to hear your story and your angle and they know you have a voice. So it's been a great experience. I hope more Afghan Americans pursue the comic book industry and write or draw or, you know, follow other, um, other roles in it. It's again, um, just another way to tell stories. So, uh, I hope I can encourage others to do so. You know, it seems to be a very common thread among the comic authors that I've been speaking to that the community s appears to be a very accommodating and, you know, tight knit sort of space. So what has your journey within that community as a woman of color been like? Uh, my journey in the comic book industry has been, it's been pretty cool. I started going to shows around 2021 because of COVID. I had to wait. I did about eight shows in 2021. I did a few last year and I have several this year. Uh, the shows are always very fun. All the creators are very welcome, welcoming. Uh, you go to the tables. Everyone's very nice. Uh, I have not seen any issues. People come to your table and it's, it's great to meet fans. It's awesome when someone's bought my book and they see me at a show um, another show and they're like, Oh, I bought this. I'm, this is so amazing. And I really like the story. What happens next? What do you have coming up? So that's always great to hear. Um, but it's, it's been a great experience. I've, it's been really encouraging. So that's why I really recommend uh, folks to look into this industry and this, um, fandom, uh, of folks. You said you started going to cons or these sort of events in 2021. Have you been to San Diego comic-con before? Cause I did see you'll be there this year. Yeah. So I started exhibiting in 2021. I started going to shows back before COVID. This will be my second time at San Diego Comic-Con. I did exhibit at their, I think it was called the Collector's Edition back in 2021. Uh, I was in small press and I'll be in small press again this year. Uh, I really enjoyed it and it's definitely one of my favorite shows. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it again. What is it about San Diego Comic-Con that makes it a special event? San Diego Comic-Con is, it's got quite an energy because I think it's just been established for so long. It's been there for what, th three decades. So I think that that whole energy of and expectations and it, it never disappoints, even during COVID, it doesn't disappoint. So I think that's what makes it special. Um, when I see the people with their cool costumes and you can see they put so much time and effort into it and they're just so excited to get together with their friends and uh, visit the exhibit hall and take photos and do all the, all those things. I think it's just it's a wonderful experience as a whole. Everyone just comes together. It does sound like such a a great convention for not just fans but industry as well. Um, I've never been, but I've heard it's it's unlike anything else. Yes, definitely. I've been to now over a dozen different shows, so it's definitely a very unique um, experience. I encourage everybody to do 
the San Diego Comic-Con at least once in their lifetime as part of their bucket list. You are going to be on a panel this year at San Diego Comic-Con, actually this week. Your panel is Asian Americans Built the Comic Market. Can you speak a little bit about what the panel will be about and the importance of what you'll be discussing there? Yeah, yeah. So the panel is about uh, the experience, the journey, the challenges of being a Asian American creator. Uh, I'm being joined by Eric Koh, uh, Janice Chang, Jessica Singh. I, I'm, I apologize if I do mispronounce anybody's name, but these are legends in the industry. Uh, they've been in it for quite some time. And it's, again, just sharing their experiences of of what it's been like. Um, they all do different things and you know, the expectations moving forward. Um, it's just, uh, you know, it's going to be a really fun panel. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's on Friday, actually, Friday evening. I can't believe it's already this week. I was saying this year, this year, and I realized, oh my goodness, it's already this week. Yeah, everyone keeps asking me, when is Comic-Con? I'm like, next week. I'm like, it's coming up. So Yeah, I think it starts on Wednesday. It's a very um, a very long convention as well. Yeah, it is. It is a long convention. Um, I'm usually not a big fan of long conventions, but for San Diego, I'm always willing to make the exception. Have you been a panelist before at other conventions? I was actually, I've been a panelist on a couple of different shows. Um, LA Comic Con is where I was a panelist twice. So back in 2021 and 2022. Yeah, I hear LA Comic Con is really fun too. I wanted to go this year, but it just didn't work out. But it sounds like that is another one that you kind of, as a fan and as press, don't want to miss. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always enjoy LA Comic Con. It's also in my my top list. Um, will you be at New York Comic Con? I will. I have gone to New York Comic Con. This will be my 10th year. So I'm excited and I'm going as press and I saw you were going to be there as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. It'll be my first time there. So uh, I've only heard great things about about it. So it'll be uh, quite the experience. I always say I started going in 2013 and it was so small and it's hard to for anyone to imagine it being small because it's near Comic-Con. It's such a huge thing, but it was so tiny and now it's huge and I love it. And I think that if you love these big conventions like San Diego and Los Angeles, I think you're going to absolutely love New York Comic-Con. Awesome. Looking forward to it. What advice do you have for fangirls who are trying to break into the industry? For fangirls who are trying to break into the industry, I would say get very close with other creators. Uh, definitely make sure you have like a small community of folks that you can rely on and learn from. And I'm, I'm fortunate that there are folks uh, in the Bay Area, uh, there's a community of about 20 or 30 people that we have like a Instagram chat going on. So we share updates of what's going on on shows, um, any connections, any resources. So I would definitely recommend that they find that group where they can rely on uh, and they'll help them a lot through the industry and not to be afraid to reach out to folks who have already established themselves and, you know, ask them questions and such. So I think it's, it's a great, if they want to break into the industry as a creator, I think this is the best time to do it. Do you enjoy seeing that, seeing these people who have reached out to you sort of, start to make their own career in these professional spaces? Yeah, absolutely. I love seeing other be other people being successful. So um, it's not easy. And the fact that you're willing to put the work in and reap the rewards, absolutely. It's always great to see that. What would you tell a younger version of yourself if you could go back in time? 
if I could go back in time and tell a younger version of myself about the future with this work, I would say write more. Don't stop writing. It doesn't have to be perfect, but just keep writing. Uh, sometimes we aim for perfection and that could um, hold us back. So just keep writing, be creative. Don't be afraid, be brave with anything that you do. Uh, sometimes you're going to fail and that's okay. Um, failure is not the end of the world. Sometimes growing up, we are told, you know, you can't fail and it holds us back from doing anything. So uh, that's the advice I would give myself. I think that's great advice for really many facets of life. And I think more people should listen to that. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I think uh, we would a lot, we'd be a lot happier if we didn't, you know, think of failure as the worst thing in the world. We're supposed to fail. Otherwise you're not going to learn. Well, I think that's going to wrap us up today. Thank you so much, Gazelle, for talking to me and sharing your experiences. No problem, Janet. This was great. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I look forward to seeing you at New York Comic Con this year. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Take care. This is going to wrap up this episode of the Portrait of a Fangirl podcast. We want to thank our guest, Gazelle Omar, and everyone who tuned in today. If you have any questions or comments, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook using the handle Portrait of a Fangirl. You can also find us across all social media and on YouTube as Temple of Geek. If you'd like to check out any other episodes or shows, please visit us at templeofgeek.com. 